friends, welcome back to the Film Alchemist Podcast, the show where we look in movies we love, break them apart, to find out what gives them their magic. I'm your host, Josh Griffey, joined as always, wait, where'd he go? Where is he? I can't see him. Oh my god, my heat vision goggles, is that an Invisidong? <laughs> oh, it is. Okay, and co-host. <laughs> Alex Dandino. Yeah, you guys didn't know, 2020, we break into narrative bits, acting <laughs> sessions. <laughs> All right, guys, welcome back. It is a new year. Same pod, though, uh, for better or worse. <laughs> Happy so 2020. Here. Yeah, we're here. We're glad to be joining you guys. Uh, thank you again. As you'll know, this first episode is a little late. I actually ended and started the new year with just gnarly stomach flu. So that was a fantastic way to kiss out the last decade, I felt. Perfect symbolic purging of my body, as my friend said. Uh, so, yeah, guys, if you're here with us, please take a second, leave a rating and review especially on Apple Podcast app. Share us on your social medias. Follow our social medias. And now you can find us on YouTube, at The Nerd Alchemist. That's plural with an S at the end. So join in all the fun. Uh, Come on Back down. to the show. As you guys know, in January, our theme this month, we are shaking bacon, man. So this month, all Kevin Bacon movies. Oh, Alex, yes. Yes. let's do a brief intro to why Kevin Bacon. What is it about Kevin Bacon that we love so much? You know, he has this iconic swagger, yet this iconic uh, uptightness that sort of just makes for a perfect actor. I'm not, I'm not entirely sure, to be honest with you. I think that's what makes Kevin Bacon so wonderful. I can't put my finger on the pulse of what makes Kevin Bacon tick, and that's why I watch Kevin Bacon movies. I don't know what else to well, say. It's the weird, because I was thinking about this, too, with our list, right? So just look at the different roles that Kevin Bacon has done through his IMDb. You got, you know, serial killer, scientists, like a lot of scientists and doctors, but also guys like Tremors, a lot of rednecks. <laughs> he's kind of this ultra everyman. Right. Well, right. I but he's not he's he's beautiful, but in an approachable kind of right. like different way. Well, you know what I mean? I'd also even look at the movies we left off this list, which is like, I mean, what? Diner is a good one. Like Diner's probably one of the more like serious movies he's done, like one of the more pot like serious like acting but that's movies. the thing though it, it's range he exactly. can do the serious role be Diner? a normal leading man he can do kitschy genre he's very funny he's super underrated when as we a were, comedic actor when we were trying to figure out what movies to do i almost suggested a few good men because i love him in that movie i'm like nah he's yeah. in that movie for like 15 minutes but i was like but that's the thing but i that fucking love him Apollo in that movie 11 he has a million of those like he's the best b actor right yeah. like the second of the leading man guy Totally. He's just a phenomenal actor. And again, go to his IMDb. It's in our running of most underrated IMDb pages. Just banger after banger. So we picked our five, and it was really hard, right? Oh, yeah. So we're doing Hollow Man, which is today's episode, Trimmers, Footloose, Cop Car, and Flatliners. I cannot You're like, every one of those is an absolute banger. I cannot We didn't even have time it. to get to Wild Things, yeah. The Messenger. Like, there are a million great Kevin Bacon movies. I also cannot wait to talk about Cop Car because it's one of those deeply underrated movies that no one saw. So Right. But I, this, okay, I hope so you guys that's our kind of our brief spiel about why Kevin Bacon. He's a perfect film alchemist actor. Totally. We talked about. We just love everything this guy does. In this movie, Hollow Man is one of my absolute favorite Kevin Bacon movies. It's kind of one of those movies we just forgot. 100%. Uh, but now there is this this rise of invisible people movies coming in the next year or so. Yeah. So I think this is a good time to get back. We'll see if to, it reaches uh, the, the heights old, of the old this Kevin film. Bacon. But, you know. Yeah, and I, I love the Invisible Man premise totally. to begin with. Absolutely. But, Alex, walk me through specifically why you love Hollow Man so much. Well, okay, so Hollow Man, I think, was one of the first rated R movies I was allowed to rent by myself. Like, I went to Hollywood Video in Aurora, Ohio, rented this movie, and no one looked at me twice. I'm like, sweet. And I really wanted to watch it because I also love the Invisible Man premise. And I took it over to my friend's house, and we were watching it. And then it gets to the end, and I was like, oh, my God, this is fucking bloody as hell. Like, it was cool. But I think Hollow Man is this awesome time capsule, this awesome time capsule of, like, 1999 to 2000 living which is uh porsches rap rock and the need to insatiably <laughs> murder everyone on your team like there's just a scientist who may win a nobel prize listening to whatever the fuck that was on the la freeway 
It's just in a classic scene that I love. Yeah. I was like, choices were made in the editorial. It, it was it's just yeah. mind blowing. I mean, it, it's amazing. Like again, this is like, and by the way, it's multiple times that Kevin Bacon is seen in the in his car singing along to the radio. I'm like, who? needed to put out a record and just needed music in a movie. Like this yeah. is like there's a next, some next level stuff and I was trying to figure out like cuz I know Kevin Bacon's been um I think Kevin Bacon is a musician as well. Oh yeah. So I'm like is Ke- is this Kevin Bacon's band? He's trying to like push the push the Bacon <laughs> label. I'm like god, please Kevin no. Bacon's like Corn with the K, Kevin with the K. This is perfect. <laughs> We're getting on this new metal cresting wave. <laughs> yeah, I mean like but again like also the way this movie is and the way like it's also it's Paul Verhoeven, who's, I think, oh. our favorite director on this pod. Possibly. We were talking it's, about this. Before it's the him show. and John Carpenter are yeah. in the running. Like those are the two guys that make the most perfect film yeah. alchemist movies for us. Like we just absolutely gush about these guys every time we talk about one of their movies. And before the show, I was thinking about like, how would you describe like a Paul Verhoeven movie? And I'm like, Paul Verhoeven movies are like. 1100 on the SATs like you're just good enough but not quite smart like that's that's like (laughs) and that's what I got on the SATs and that's like pretty much what I you know that's what I aspire to be just smart enough but kind of not and that's kind of like how it works again but I love this movie like the beginning of this movie starts awesomely like I I think yeah so this movie what it is though what's so good about this movie to me is it's a great high concept premise you have an amazing cast of actors. Yeah. Like, even every small role is just filled perfectly. It's hardcore ensemble, by the and way. And they're all used as well as they can be. Right. But what I really like about this movie is it it's the classic horror movie element of you don't want to call this movie wish fulfillment because we all would wish that we would not behave this way. Right. So what it is is this movie, to me, plays is closer to Wishmaster, right? Ooh, Where yeah, this good is, call. This is the kind of movie where be careful what you wish for. Right. And I think Kevin Bacon, you know, as playing Sebastian Kane, they do a really good job of setting up this kind of premise that a lot of us humans face. He's just further down the line, which is when is enough enough? Right. And it's it's so they set up Sebastian Kane's emotional arc essentially is he's so full of himself and thinks he's so spectacular. He needs to actually stop seeing himself to be fulfilled. <laughs> he has to become the actual invisible hand of God. I mean, it's the line in the movie. It's like, it's amazing what you can do when you don't have to look at yourself in the morning. I'm like, that. But that's is a great. He, yeah. That's an what amazing can, what line. What can you do if you don't have to look at yourself in the mirror any longer is a great movie premise. Like, if you totally. just pitched me that, like, my buddy was over here the other day. and He's like, what are you watching? I was like, Maniac Cop. And he's like, cool, I don't even have to watch that. I know for a fact I would like it. Yeah. And I was like, yeah, like imagine being an executive and someone walked in and said Maniac Cop. You're like, yeah, there's 10 different versions of that movie that I would probably like every one of them, right? Right. And that's the same print. What would you do if you didn't have to look at yourself anymore? It's brilliant. It's an actual brilliant conceit. So that's what I love is it's this good concept with this great, you know, cast of characters. And then, yeah, you just – it's it's the movie that takes us to what would you do and then forces us to confront almost every fantasy that comes with being invisible oh, yeah. is bad. By the way, like right off the right off the bat too. Like I think that's the probably more interesting part is almost immediately when Kevin Bacon becomes invisible in this movie, he starts doing fucked up things. Like it doesn't like it's not like it's one of those things where you're just like, oh, you know, he's invisible. He's like learning how it's like, no, he immediately starts doing terrible things right from the jump. Right. Like, well, they they set him up pretty, good. pretty early. Right. Yeah. And this is what I think the movie does exceptionally well and separates from a lot of movies of this ilk. Is the groundwork they lay is really good. <laughs> so he's this this super genius, <laughs> but he's kind of lonely and feels underappreciated still. Right. Right. The looking across the street and has this voyeur moment with the lady across the street kind of pining for her. Right. And then we get in and you see this kind of combative yet. He wants to be lorded and worshipped by the people he works with. Right. And also doesn't mind throwing a little smackdown on them. The way he kind of looks at them almost is equal to the lab animals. They do a lot of good work setting him up early. Yeah. 
Well, which I, I think makes it work when he turned because that was one of the things I kept reading in people's comments is like, oh, man, why wouldn't he have just kept working? He would have found the cure. He already found it once. It's not the point. Well, also, yeah, right. They they build in this subtext, too, of the chemical might be making him crazy. Right. But I, I don't even buy that, right? I don't think these animals in him are going crazy because the compound. No. Again, it's imagine, because they never quite say what happens to the body. We know the physical meets there, but they say it's quantum shifting, whatever the fuck this means. Quantum phase shift. But just imagine that. Yeah. And so what it is, is as their body disappears, it's as if they are unshackled from. Totally. Limitations. Well, I mean, it's it, it is, but that's what I mean. They do a great job of setting it up so that when they launch into the games, I didn't find it to be this. Oh, this is impossible! Come on, he's such a good guy. Yeah, no, I think his actions are based on who. Um, by the way, he has one of the great like villain names, Sebastian Kane. Great, yeah. great villain name. It's a, basically like an X Men villain name. Um, European first crime, perfect. <laughs> But yeah, like, I mean, that is the best part about it is there's nothing shocking about any of his actions moving in through the moving throughout the movie, because like it starts like when they're doing the when they're trying to bring the gorilla back into uh, Mm -hmm. visibility, like Joey Slotnick, who, by the way, is one of my all time favorite underrated character actors. So whenever he shows up in a movie, it's great. He's like the lab tech who's um, this is God. What you're doing is wrong. And then, you know, he has a. I'm God. You know, that whole thing. Um, I think, like, from that beat on, you know exactly who Kevin Bacon is. Like, that Sebastian Kane, or sorry, not Kevin Bacon. Kevin Bacon's a great man. Sebastian Kane, the murdering molecular (laughs) biologist, is that's like, that's Sebastian Kane right there. Is, hey, I told you, you're not God. I am. Like, that is like, I'm like, there you go. That's all you need to know. He could, he could not speak for the rest of the movie, and you would absolutely have every justification for knowing what it is that happens throughout the movie. Like Right, but also in that moment, they do an important turn, too, which is he's not actually happy in that moment. No, he's <laughs> so unsatisfied. He to the restaurant, and he's still out there. He's like, well, this is it. I guess I'll be on to my next great genius thing. Yeah, I'll win all the awards and accolades and go down in history. Maybe is the man who ruins the world, right? This has like a Honey, I Shrunk the Kids vibe. Sure. Where you're like, this is Oppenheimer-ish. Like, terrible things happen from this. Right. But he's not satisfied. And then to cut directly to the meeting where instead of gloating and taking his victory lap. Oh, my God. With the, uh, the Senate committee and, you know, the snarky professor who obviously they've hated each other for a long time. Right, right. He takes uh, an L, right? He sits there and he's like, oh, we're not done yet. Let's that guy fucking berate him. Yeah. Only to be like, oh, now I'm going to do it because I'll be the first. It's pretty cool, it, man. It, it's this great moment where even in the face of this, because that whole gorilla scene is pretty wild, too. It's really fun. That's the other thing this movie does exceptionally well is invisible gags. Like, they really thought through to the maximum extent of what is the fun you can do with an invisible character. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They thought of them all. <laughs> <laughs> but that turn of him not being able to be happy because – it's not enough that he'll be remembered as the guy who made the breakthrough. He has to be the guy that will then be interviewed. What was it like to be invisible? Right. And that's it. That's a really important turn for this guy and sets up the, the horror show that we're about to witness. Right. I mean, that's, I mean, what's the line? I mean, that's another great, again, like that's another great line he has, which was like, um, you know, you don't, uh, you don't make history by being, by following the rules. Like that's right. You know, that's perfect. Like, that's exactly, again, exactly what you should be doing if you're if you're Sebastian Kane, the molecular biologist who doesn't give a shit about anybody else on your team. Like, every single thing in the beginning of this movie, like, between saying he's God, arguing with the veterinarian constantly, that woman who's on Fear the Walking Dead. Like, by the way, another great actress who I absolutely love in this movie. Uh, <laughs> arguing with her constantly about the state of affairs with these animals. Like, she is nonstop, like, hey... You're abusing these animals. He's like, fuck you, hippie. And, like, just keeps walking, like, all the time. You know what the best part of that is with the vet, though? She starts off with this really (laughs) serious, we have to take care of these animals, right? Next thing you know, when we're in the Pentagon meeting, uh, we see in the tape that there are how many dead gorillas? We we can just assume a lot of corpses. (laughs) Yeah. So I was like, 
it feels like a weird to be like this Monday I'm throwing down the indignation flag. <laughs> Not just corpse. Like- <laughs> oh wait, yeah, that's the best. So let's imagine in this in the context of this movie, we're showing up the day she was like getting ready. She's like, today's the day. I'm gonna walk right up to her and be like, you can't do this anymore. Yeah, like, she. <laughs> She had dealt with 10 dead gorillas. She's not going to do 11. God damn it. No, like, absolutely. That that underground base has a forklift in it to move gorilla corpses. <laughs> not like, just gorilla you corpses. You sit down in your like, chair and be like, what's that smell? Oh, it's invisible rotting gorilla yeah. corpse all over that. Office. Not just gorilla corpses. Like, liquefied <laughs> gorilla corpses that are, like, slowly yeah. decaying. Like, that is truly, yeah. like, again, and I love... I'm not sure if that was um, that looked like great like creature effects because that was the part that always scared the shit out of me um, when I was a kid was well it's early early computer animation for a lot of the right. invisible change and, you- and then by the time they get to the cell they have that what feels like two six year old children and like a conjoined gorilla suit okay but that actually um, it's interesting you bring that up I was reading <laughs> I was reading some fa- facts that literally is a man in a gorilla suit. Yeah, in the cage for sure. Yeah, that's like probably one of my favorite little uh, like bits from this, and I think they do a good job because they never show him like, like when the first time you see him, you only see him in the um, heat vision goggles, and I'm like, yeah, well, I can't really. Oh, that's definitely a guy in a gorilla suit. Like, you're just like, it's, it's. They didn't try to get an Andy Circus level performance out of it. <laughs> Again, man, it's Paul Verhoeven. Like Paul Verhoeven, I love that Paul Verhoeven's like, I'm gonna do the least amount of. CGI I have to, but I definitely have to CGI Kevin Bacon and his <coughs> dick and balls quantum phase oh, shifting. Yeah. <clears throat> like Oh yeah, you gotta have that. Like, by the way, the second the second lead in this movie is definitely Kevin Bacon's penis because we see that thing <laughs> numerous times. And Yeah, I like too how they they had to do because this was my first question. I was like, who is animating that dick? Like there has to be a clause <laughs> in the contract, right? Like determining how the dick looks invisible, and because that's how I was like, this isn't necessarily like they didn't go full Marky Mark where they put like a prosthetic on it for like a Diggler effect, right, right, right. But it's a hardy enough dong, like it's a solid enough. It's a work. So- it's a solid sixer, you know. You- yeah, and I was trying to think, I, I couldn't remember off the top of my head, and God forbid, I Google it. I should have. <laughs> And I was like, have I seen Kevin Bacon's dick? I feel like I have. Yeah, you don't want that coming up in your government searches, you know? <laughs> Kevin yeah, Bacon. I mean, God forbid. I'm probably already on every list. Kevin but... <laughs> Bacon's penis. That's. But yeah, I mean, they are clever in how they do it, right? They're trying to take the, you know, because this lab essentially is like a cheap motel room. <laughs> but instead of sperm, it's liquefied gorilla. So they're like, how do we pull you out of the horror of that so you can still enjoy yourself? And it's like, even when he's getting uh, morphed or whatnot, right? Yeah. He's getting divisibled. Uh, he fucking convulsed. He goes, ah, it's just one hip thrust just so they could throw the sheets. And he's doing like a yoga arch just to put that buttocks right in the center. It's perfectly framed, they, butt. but that's the brilliant thing, right? Kevin Bacon has been used for the butt a lot, right? Like a yeah. lot of movies have done this trick. Why wouldn't you? If you got the goods, you, you got to use it. You pay to play. He apparently has this one is of the-, the one movie where it's a, it's a clever idea or challenge for a movie too. Or not a clever, but it's an interesting challenge for a movie to say, we are paying for this bankable, charismatic, charismatic <laughs> leading man. Let's erase him from the movie. <laughs> and let's just get some voiceover out of this guy. How do you solve that? When you get your shot, you definitely swing for the butt and dong fences. Right. You know, that was another thing I was reading is they actually thought Kevin Bacon wasn't going to need to be on set. So he took the role. For the whole movie? Yeah. Okay. So here's the crazy <laughs> thing. Like, this is the nutty thing. They didn't think it was going to need to be him. And again, this this goes back to why we're doing this month at all. Like, what's Shaken Bacon? It's Kevin Bacon. They didn't think he was going to need to be on set. So that's why he took the role, because he literally had to be there for, like, what, a week. So he took the job, and then Paul Verhoeven got through, like, a week of filming with, like, other body doubles, and the actors weren't reacting properly. And he was like, we got to get Kevin Bacon. So he had to like renegotiate his fee and everything like (laughs) that, by the way, is the power of Kevin Bacon. Like Kevin Bacon is such a great actor and so awesome at his job that they tried to replace him thinking, Oh, he can just do his like creepy voiceover. Didn't work. You got to have bacon on set. Like that's the most important part is reacting. Exactly. You got to have the bakes dude. No, it's it, <laughs> that's so weird. It's like, imagine a version of this movie where it's like 
Because <laughs> I could just hear like the creative meeting now, right? It's like, even when he's visible, he's invisible. Did you? <laughs> like, we still can't see his face. <laughs> if you go on the IMDb page, they have the theatrical release poster as the picture. Or sorry, it's the um, uh, Wikipedia page. And the tagline for the movie, like, you could think about a lot of different th- taglines for me, I think. Like, you could probably go with, like, oh, you know. Or, like, you know, what would you do if you didn't have to look at yourself in the mirror in the morning? Like, that's, you know, it's not, it's long, but it's an okay tagline. Something snappy really? like that. The actual tagline is, think you're alone, think again. Like, <laughs> like that. Good. That, Nailed it. That 1,000%, by the way, takes, like, the piss out of any science fiction and goes straight to, like, creeper horror uh you know single white female status of this movie because after he becomes the hollow man like once he starts like alex wasn't he always a hollow man (laughs) (laughs) wow we're really getting into it here can you ever see what's in the heart of man (laughs) see look i got so many yeah, see, like that was just in like fifteen seconds. Yeah, see, like anything else besides think you're alone, think again. Yeah, <laughs> but that actually speaks to like the second half of the movie. Like we get through, like it's interesting. Like we spend like the first half of the movie talking about the science and getting very sciency and so on and so forth. And like, like do we or are they just playing circle Tetris and screaming? Uh, oh gosh, my circle Tetris blew up again. <laughs> <laughs> that's the science of this movie beep, 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 they beep. all somehow have this program with circle tetris and i was like there's only like four places to add circles but yeah josh brolin constantly is like ah befuddled oh. again where's my b's and c's <laughs> that's the be- that's my favorite like <laughs> i can't remember what part of josh brolin's this, uh his career was what like what state his career was in at that point because i feel like josh brolin was the third lead in this movie because he had to take a back seat he had some yeah, I feel like this was a time where no one really knew who Josh Brolin was. It was that phase right. of his career where he wasn't like Josh Brolin again. He was just well, like, because oh, it's Josh again, Brolin. he's he looks like the made-for-TV movie version of Kevin Bacon in this phase. It, yeah, where he's very he's got that kind of every man but rugged. Right? right, he's playing a scientist again or doctor, so it's like he can kind of slot into these things. But again, he's he's just more butch. He's butch enough. That you can't see him as an everyman, right? right? Right. Like if Tom Hanks had Josh Brolin's body, he wouldn't have ended up being Tom Hanks. She, you know what I mean? Yeah. So he's he's kind of the I don't want to say the porno movie version of Kevin Bacon. <laughs> I don't think But he's, that's what he looks like at this phase. He's obviously gone on to have this great acting career. Right. You know, very Bacon-esque in his trajectory. Definitely. But I think Kevin Bacon is the prime version of what Josh Brolin's trying to be at this right. phase. And this also, the second lead in this movie is Elizabeth Shue, who I think this might have been the last movie I remember from this phase of her career seeing her in. Like, Yeah, she just kind of went after this. She kind of just, like, walked away, and I'm not really sure what happened. But either way, it's so much fun to see her in this movie because, again, she's wonderful. And she's always been, like, one of those actresses who I like to watch uh, – like show up, but this movie particularly because it seems like it's kind of outside her wheelhouse. Like yeah. I, I don't remember seeing her in any other horror movies. But that's she me. has a really weird. They they do this weird. This feels like it's supposed to be a different actress. To be honest with you, like it's it's weird because her movie really or her role in this movie seems to bring home the kind like watching this now in today's era. Right there is an ooh, inevitable. Yeah. This is a Me Too horror story, right? Yeah. It, it's inevitable this invisible hand of powerful men and what they're able to do to subordinates right and they keep playing her off as i better go run to sebastian and have an overly sultry heart to heart at which i'll <laughs> kind of shut him down at the end right and i was like that's not exactly the best look I nowadays mean, right can is you that, imagine they're like we used to date and he was the worst guy but now I'm still kind of like, I'm going to let him get close enough to kiss me, even though I'm with Josh. Bro- it's it's a weird well, kind of I mean, character role imagine, that feels lost in that era. Can you just imagine like this movie, like watching this now in the context of 2020 is pretty, pretty fascinating because I think I feel like two years after this movie was made, they probably would have said, like, I can't believe you're even in here pitching this. Even in 2002, I feel like they'd be like, no. this, there's no way this movie's going to get made. Because, oh, you could have done this movie for sure. I don't know, dude. There is like, it is pretty shocking. Uh, 
It's pretty sure. Right, but not not long. Like, the early 2000s when we started to get into, like, hostile and shit. Like, if this movie That's came true. out in the early 2000s, is, I guess this is sort of a been pre- an absolute This is horseshit. sort of a precursor to torture porn a little bit. Because it is, like, I mean, it is super violent against women. Like... But that's what I mean, though. The torture is, and this is the like, this was the part of the movie I had somewhat forgotten. It's, we get a lot of this, this creeper cam, right, where it's yeah. Kevin Bacon invisible cam, uh-huh. and it reminded me of the line where it's like, "Oh, your eyes are taking in more than you want because your your eyelids are transparent." Right. That's how I felt as an audience member. Right. You're just watching this guy, like, oh my god, when he goes in the first. I mean, he's been invisible for let's say two days right 36 of those he was passed out four hours of testing and he's like oh that was a rough four hours i better go grope uh my enemy my in-base enemy to make her feel the veterinarian who by the way is not wearing a bra and a very small sweater i'm like this is like this is the but again that feels very 90s that it was still okay to use these kind of roles right 100 like these are scientists yeah these are scientists women this is a respected scientist yeah and we're just like we'll still like elizabeth shoe still feels like she has to like put out the vibe with kevin bacon like she's a molecular scientist <laughs> what the fuck she doesn't have to put out the vibe to her ex you know same with this veterinarian who's like god damn it i just finished squeegeeing the 85th gorilla off the wall now I got to get my tits grabbed. <laughs> and then this is the crazy thing, though. The fact that she just wouldn't. She has no reper, like course of repercussion against him. No. That's the part that becomes scary with her character. Yeah. Is he keeps lording it over her because well, she sees him go back to bed. Right. And also, this is kind of the funny part about Kevin Bacon's ruse, this initial ruse, right? He's this genius. But you're like, do you really assume there's another invisible rapist? Like, who else could be the invisible rapist in this base, right. even if you pull off your I'm laying in bed trick? Well, again, who else? <laughs> she didn't unbutton her own shirt. Like, it's just a whole thing. I'm like, obviously, he did it. Like, there's really no other way around it. Like, yeah. And again, but he, that's the thing. That's what becomes because it is that question. You're like, how could he think this would happen and he'd get away with it? I don't think he wants to get away with it. Right. Like, but this is where we start to see a shift where now he's into the power of it. Right. Now all the things before that stood in his way and he couldn't have any control over, this is where, this is kind of the invisible man take of this movie, which is now he can, even a man as successful and powerful as him has limitations. Now he can justify these as he sees fit. Oh, the vet's going to say no to me? I'm going to grope her and harass her. Right. And let her know she's not safe here. You know what I mean? Oh, Elizabeth Shue's going to be with some other lesser man. I'll just go spy on her in her apartment and break her windows and shit. Right. So this is where it gets really. I mean, the scariest scene in the movie is obviously the girl across the street. Yeah, which apparently was totally cut down. Uh, he like the scene. I mean, so everything about the scene implies that he sexually assaults her like hardcore. Oh, he he attacks her and she falls on the bed and that's what we see right so and every, even the line before his exact line is who's gonna know right so everything what, what, we, what would we not know the rape everything right and like apparently they shot the whole scene and they were like yeah you're not gonna put that in a movie so like why this is you told me that it blew my i mean part of me i guess suspected that yeah but why what would be this is kind of the weird part of a lot of this movie there's some side boob and sexual you know yeah matter but like when he's undressing the vet and we see boobs this was like one of the first times i remember as a teen boy not being like boobs like every time you saw boobs it was like the fourth of july right Right, at that age oh yeah especially when we grew up where you didn't have just like phones and the internet where you could find all the boobs oh yeah so but this was one of the first ones i remember being like uh but ill-gotten boobs yeah not not ideal not not unearned boobs yeah you know what i mean yeah it's yeah it's it's cringy it is so then to be like that the girl in that apartment is obviously gorgeous and wildly attractive yes she is but would you want to see her bouncing around naked knowing that it was a violent rape yeah see that's the thing like Like, who is that scene for why would you even waste the money to film that yeah i don't understand why that's like i think from a narrative perspective it's like Everything that we saw in the movie 
made the most sense. I think filming it all together is a bizarre, uh, it was a bizarre exercise and thinking it needs to be in the movie narratively doesn't make any sense. Like, no, it feels like a, Oh, this actress will add male eyeballs because she's beautiful. Right. I mean, but gross. Honestly, yeah. I got all the information I needed from him, from the <laughs> yeah. POV cam, from her disrobing. Right. Like, I don't need any other information besides her screaming. Like, I get it. Right. And that's why the the couple of boobs I see, I think you can defend in. It shows vulnerability. Yeah. Because we know, oh, this is titillation, but we also mark it with this feels bad because of the way he's behaving. Right. Right. And once you start going beyond that, the fact that they would even think that that could make it into the movie is just ridiculous. Because you get the narrative fear of just she's in her apartment, in her robe, like as vulnerable as she can be. Right. And he's in there messing with her. Like when he starts doing, because that's the thing he starts doing, like moving Elizabeth's shoes, Coca-Cola, moving the mirror. Yeah. Those are wildly scary moments that just kind of get passed off because the, you know, gags get bigger and bigger. Right. But imagine being in your home. And someone kept moving your coffee cup, and you know who it is, but you still can't see them or do anything about it. Right. That's fucking terrifying. That's terrifying. And, and it is the premise of the movie, which is just imagine that the world unseen holds someone predatory. Right. What the movie actually does, right, is so Kevin Bacon becomes a miniature version of God in this. Yeah. It becomes scary. Like, imagine religion in the eyes of Hollow Man, that there's just some invisible guy who can fucking do whatever he wants to you. Hovering over your shoulder, that's fucking scary. <laughs> yeah, but, like, see, it's Kevin Bacon. If it was, like, a big sweaty guy, like, you could always catch that guy. Like, you know, like, eventually, when you like feel... Like, James Gandolfini could not have done this role. R.I.P. He's there. He's right there. R.I.P. Yeah. He's right there in the corner. I can hear him. His varsity level athleticism has failed him. I hear him in the corner. <laughs> like, that's like, absolutely. Like, yeah, like, but that's neither here nor there. Well, that. imagine a version of Hollow Man where instead of Kevin Bacon, right, it's genre Kevin Bacon, which would be Lance Hendrickson. Right. Right. You know, there is a game, too, instead of the six degrees of Kevin Bacon, it's which actors are filling a niche version of Kevin Bacon, right? <laughs> and Lance Hendrickson's like the scary everything went wrong Kevin Bacon. Right. Well, and so imagine a version of this movie where Lance Hendrickson breathes like Gandolfini. This would have to be an X-rated film. It would be so terrifying. Did you know this is also the first Paul Verhoeven movie that went to the MPA and did not immediately get an NC-17 rating? First time he ever sent a movie <laughs> in. Like every other movie he sends in gets an NC-17 rating immediately. This is the well, first RoboCop. Movie. Obviously, Event Horizon has blood orgies. RoboCop, Event Horizon. <laughs> uh, Total Recall, Basic Instinct, Showgirls, and Starship Troopers all got an X or NC-17 rating and then got recut for an R rating. This is the first time he got an R rating on the first submission. Like Probably the creepiest movie he ever made. Which also, he regrets making it. He didn't like it at all, apparently. Which is a real shame. It's so weird, too, because I think it's... I think it's wildly underappreciated for how scary it is. Well, I think so, and you too. you see this like, now in the Invisible Man movie that's coming out soon with Elizabeth Moss, which hopefully we'll cover. Um, you see that this is kind of the angle they're taking now. Right. In the first Invisible Man stories that I remember reading and seeing, right, the Universal one, it's kind of this, oh, look what I accidentally broke through, right? It's like an accidental scientific breakthrough. Right. And trying to deal with that. And more of what that guy's doing is self-preservation. I have to fix this. People are getting too close, so I will use this to commit a crime of, you know, murder, covering up, whatnot. Right. As we've gotten further and further, I think that the 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 more obvious pairing with this, you know, power and ability is the the invasion of intimacy. Yeah. And so I think Paul Verhoeven made this perfect Invisible Man movie. Right. And it's so sad to me that he hates it. Well, I mean, I feel like, I mean, it's interesting because I, I read the quote. It's like in 2013, he got interviewed. He's like, he was, he was saying that it was like the last time he made a movie. He, I'll quote it actually. He said, I decided after Hollow Man, this is a movie, the first movie that I made that I thought I should not have made. It made money and this and that, but it really is not me anymore. I think many other people could have done it. Like, that's the thing that I think yeah. for him, he's like, he felt that this movie was not intrinsically Paul Verhoeven, but I would actually yeah. disagree. Like, 
I don't think in another director's I think in another I don't think in another director's uh bag of tricks this movie is uh this movie's as uh interesting to be honest with you. Like to me I mean, I'm sure he brought a lot to it but you do understand his I, I understand I, that mindset really. I, I understand his point of view. I think that he's undervalued. I mean I can't believe Showgirls isn't the one where he's like Ugh, woof <laughs> <laughs> right right well you know that's that that goes without saying but i also feel I like mean, it would be a shame if we didn't get the worst sex scene of all time <laughs> but like that's the one i would pwn it but i also think that this movie without paul verhoeven's uh tastes and his abilities as a director if this was in let's say a different like and late 90s early 2000s like there are a lot of directors who just like got jobs a lot of the time like got these bigger movies i think yeah. that like you know, now we are a little more precious with our directors. Like I think about particularly like you think about the Marvel movies. But I remember when the first Fantastic Four movie came out, the director was Tim Story, who's gone on and done other things. But like Tim Story, I didn't know who that was. Paul Verhoeven's right. a name, though. Like so Paul Verhoeven but, puts his but now stamp on it. We're in an era where guys like Paul Verhoeven would be going to A24 and making smaller, more focused versions of, of their movies. Like, can you th- That's I the mean, road for a guy like him. Right. And I'm interested to see this new Invisible Man movie or woman. I'm not really sure what who it it's is. Invisible Man. Invisible. Elizabeth Moss is attacked by like Invisible. a bad okay, domestic cool. abuser. Yeah. So like I think that and they right, and like that's I think the core of what Paul Verhoeven was trying to get at was the invasion of privacy and the loss of like the loss of not just innocence, but the loss of the ability to be private inward and outward. Like if you're invisible, you, if you're invisible, you can yes, be seen right through and you can sneak around and do all these other things. But I also think there's a hint of the movie that is all of his, all of Kevin, all of Sebastian Kane's personal life is like kind of on display in his, like he has to vomit in front of these people all the time. Like that's what tips him over the edge is he's, no longer he's no longer in charge he's the experiment i think that's like the part that really pisses him off and that's why he like leaves the first time and that's why he ends up doing the things he does is because of all the things he's in control of in the world finally the one thing that he could control and he had control over he no longer controls himself it's pretty interesting well it's weird now he is the center of everyone's attention absolutely all right and that's not what he wants anymore because he doesn't have the power anymore right exactly and then he, he is no longer lording it over that. So it's weird. He get, but this again goes back to the Wishmaster thing. He gets what he wants, but it has this dark extra layer to it. Right. Well, and I mean, and I think that's, I think that's fascinating, man. And Oh, totally. I mean, I get where Paul Verhoeven's coming from. This movie stops being interesting with about 10 to 15 minutes to go. Right. Where now we're just kind of like climbing an elevator shaft. Like that whole sequence is horrendously boring. Compared to what we have seen, right? right? This is actually a pretty interesting think piece on power dynamics and the invasion of privacy and the horror of this experiment. I mean, to just end it on like a, you know, poor Sylvester Stallone scene in an elevator right. is a bummer. I get what he's saying, but I think all the stuff before that is great. Here's a question I had for you <laughs> Is Sebastian Kane the worst piece of shit character ever in a movie? Ooh trying to think if there's a worse piece of shit character in a movie I and mean, you could make some other arguments like henry that i'm talking about a guy who started normal right so not like henry the serial killer okay so you're saying like just actual like, guys who started out as a normal non-criminal member of society oh no who by the end of the movie have committed multiple rapes right tons of murders so you're not talking and then born this bad, was the correct? scene where i was like this is where sebastian kane became the worst guy when he fucking beats that dog into a pulp in the cage. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And they showed the impact. They didn't show him grabbing, right? They gave you the splatter shot. <laughs> I mean, he was like, I don't know if I can think of a harsher descent right off the top of my head. Um, no, I mean, like, that's I mean that's the that's the end of it right there to me. Like, you see movies like this, but it's normally someone I love was killed and I'm getting revenge. That's 1,000% the... That's one. That's more understandable, right? But this guy goes to full worst criminal I can think of. Yeah. In Act Two, like just Act Two, he's like, "Yeah, I'm gonna do all this shit." Well, no, insane. That's I mean, he commits a violent rape. What six murders? That's the end of the. I mean, no, like you don't even have to go further. Like he could have done nothing else in the movie, but he totally killed that dog, and that means he's a bad guy. Yeah, because like. 
again, the dog's an innocent. The dog is an innocent, and that also the dog didn't go crazy. So Kevin Bacon had it in. Well, he, Sebastian, he might have. But he Sebastian Kane had it in, in the himself cage. the entire time. Like that's what I think is the most important part about that scene itself. Is like it shows the difference between you see two invisible, you see two invisible beings. One who, like you know, when he grabbed the dog, you hear the dog like you know, oh, oh, like it's being pet, and then he takes it out and you know does it. Yeah, that I think is like that's that's the tip. That's not even a tipping point. Like that's the end of it. Like. Sebastian Kane is definitely the biggest piece of shit in movies because he didn't yeah. start bad. He started, you know, the road to hell's paved with good intentions. Like, all right. So yeah. you're given a task of like making people invisible for what? Well, military installation. Eh, okay. Already, already probably not a good guy right. right away. Probably not a great guy. Probably a little too cocksure of himself. And then you give him the ability. Well, he's to- just doing science that guaranteed is going to bring only misery to our world. Absolutely. But just doesn't care. But right. But in like his per in his purview, <laughs> he's still just doing science. Like that, I think is probably like the worst part. Is like science for science sake is how Sebastian Kane starts this movie, and then it's science for his sake almost immediately. Like yeah, like you're like oh wow he's a really oh no he's a huge piece of shit. He definitely is gonna like yeah. be. This is definitely gonna be a problem child guy. And like, but what's cool again, even the dog though, they set it up early where he's kind of talking about the gorilla, right? Like Mm -hmm. I'd rather cut him up today. It saves time. Right. So every sin he commits later, you, you see a seed of it before. And what the movie does really well is it uses the, the hollowness, right? It it takes away these layers of disguise, right? There are these moments where Kevin Bacon's still trying to fit in right still thinks he can be a normal ish guy boss co-worker right and he puts on this you know shapeless mask in a way right detailless flat mask and what's fun is that that's what he was the whole time he was that mask totally. and the glasses just like it has extra layers of detail for disguise but that was his true form right well and so the symbolism of him taking that off and his worst instincts being laid bare that's the kind of stuff that I think this movie doesn't get a lot of credit for. Right. And it's just kind of labeled as this genre well, I mean, schlocky thing. To that point, too, at the end when he's like sets the bomb and is try- trying to get out of there, when he's like drawing a face onto his like mask. Right. Like, I would say, like, even more so, that completes the metaphor is like he knows what people are supposed to be like. So he tries to pretend yeah. to be that. Like, that yeah. in and of itself is what makes Sebastian Kane like the most despicable villain we've ever seen in movies, but also like one of the more compelling villains because he is, he's sort of like, uh, tr- he's trying to be human the entire time, but failing so miserably at it that eventually once he takes, once he takes the mask off, he's his true self. That's like, the, right. that's like the crazy thing is like Sebastian Kane's true self is the invisible man. He's been hiding that the entire time. The God form. Yeah, yeah absolutely. It's really, it's really, <laughs> I, I don't know. This is like one of those movies where, yes, like you can get kind of bogged down in the uh, slasher filmness of it all. And, you know, like, again, I, I actually really enjoy that part. And I agree. The, la- yeah. the last 10 minutes of this movie are pretty lame and kind of nonsense. Once they hit the elevator, it's so boring. Right. It's just a terrible scene. The cat and ma- I'll give you that. And then it just ends with like an immediate like to the ambulance. <laughs> You're like, all right. <laughs> yeah, that's fine. But sure. the the actual <laughs> hunting of the team. I thought it was pretty cool because they did add some really good invisible gags, right? right. So you got your heat vision goggles. Mm-hmm. You've got the camera that senses him so he can trick that. Mm-hmm. The fire extinguisher. They missed on the blood. If you're going to throw blood, don't throw it on the floor. Throw it in the yeah. air. Yeah. It'll end up on the floor anyways, dummy. Absolutely. But that's a good one. Right. Right. The sprinkler system. Brilliant. The pool and the cigar smoke. Brilliant. Love that scene. So they have these really fantastic visual gags that play with the concept while doing kind of we have to just eliminate body scenes right i thought they did a really good job with that stuff yeah. i liked that part of I it also a lot. they even had they had the classic tracker he's on the motion tracker right, right i love i also love uh like when kevin bacon becomes the invisible man this almost inhuman strength he gets like the thing yeah. i think about the most is uh the scene where he's uh choking greg grunberg 
And like he literally has, man. his Greg Grunberg big man. lifted off the ground choking him. I'm like, <laughs> there's no way in real life Kevin Bacon could do this. But like Greg Well, especially they told us specifically he's 160 pounds. Yeah. So that's like one Greg Grunberg tummy. <laughs> Like, his tummy section, right, weighs as much as Kevin Bacon. And Kevin Bacon is lifting him off the ground, showing you, which, again, is another great vision. By the way, laying on pipes, so it's just all arms. Yeah, yeah. All arm power. (laughs) You can't even get his legs and that glorious bacon butt into it. (laughs) He's just... All let up. me curl this. Let me curl this fat porno looking at work guy up to me. It's all. It's all. You know. It's, it's all lats. You know. He's just. Yeah. He's got Maybe Brolin. I would believe it. Maybe Brolin. But it was. It was so. I mean. I also that that visual gag. Also, I never thought about what people look like when they're being choked. And then when you kind of like see like his skin being mushed, yeah. I remember seeing that as a kid and be like, Oh my god! Like <laughs> that is totally what people look like when they're getting choked. And then, yeah. of course, like he falls and busts his face on the pipe, which is pretty disgusting. Oh, yeah, he g- gashes his neck up. It. Oh, it's just, yeah. but that's what I mean. The movie's loaded with great moments like that, right? Like, yeah. one of the scenes I love that's underrated is when um, the lab tech wants to go to the bathroom. Oh, yeah. And it's such a fun scene. It's like, just imagine that her first thought is, oh, my boss is definitely in here. Watching me pee. Wanting yeah. to watch me make toilet. That's scary. Make toilet. That shows you the level of terror and paranoia that already exists. Right. And that's just a small visual scene that tells you a lot of extra information about this world and movie. Well, I don't know. It, to wrap this up, <laughs> I just think it's it's a great concept that had been done multiple times. And they found this really fun new riff that really gets to the terror of, what is inside of us when you take off our flesh mask, right? It's a classic storytelling trope of the human face with all its expressiveness and emotion. Right. The way we dress ourselves, this and that, changes us in a way that we're all this performative art piece, right? Right. Take that away and what the fuck is really inside of you? What is stopping you? Very much like we said in The Lighthouse, right? Take away protections, societal protections and norms that have been in place your whole life. Right. And there's nothing left to stop you from behaving exactly as you want. Right? Right. That's what this movie gets to. And the terror of watching these women, and then eventually even the men, right? Theirs is more physical. But the psychological terror of these women, right? The lab tech with her mean boss groping her and still staying at work, letting her know that they both know what happened. Right. The neighbor just being accosted, right? The single white woman, you know, in her... uh, Flat or whatever, you know, single woman in New York. Right. And then Elizabeth Shue, this constant fear of the ex-boyfriend, the overly, you know, needy, clingy ex-boyfriend constantly trying to kiss her. Now invisible, it can chase her down everywhere. Right. That kind of extra layer of terror works so brilliantly with the the hollow man uh, concept. Absolutely. And I think Verhoeven, again, I see where why he's disappointed that it does kind of have this studio plot where it feels very predictable and boring step to step in a way. But I think the extra layer of visual story and the, the kind of extra depths of the horror of this movie make it so much more than it could have been with a different director. Oh yeah, absolutely. Again, like it's sad that he feels the, it's sad that Paul Verhoeven feels the way he feels about the movie, because I do think again, while there are aspects of this that are, I guess, maybe not exactly his taste and a little more mm. studio blockbustery. I do think that this is intrinsically a Paul Verhoeven movie. Like there's right. There's footprints all over the place and there's no way like he himself might be, he himself might wish he was the invisible man in this movie, but uh, he is so, <laughs> he is so front and center. It's, it's pretty great. Now close us out. Why is this a prime bacon movie? Because Kevin Bacon is... What does Kevin Bacon do in this movie that highlights his greatest strengths? Kevin Bacon is... The, the thing I love about him in this movie is Kevin Bacon's ability to uh, be this sort of charming, like, caval- cavalier scientist and then almost immediately make this turn into, like, horrible serial killer psychopath. Like, that is, like... That is essentially what Kevin Bacon does so well in this movie is his turn is not like it's not on a dime it's actually very subtle because he was this way the entire time and he i think right kevin bacon portrays that so well and i think he knew reading the script he's like this guy's a piece of shit no matter what so like 
He's not like, oh, a good man corrupted by power. He's like, no, this right. guy is like a power-hungry asshole who gets more power than he ever thought he would. Mm-hmm. That's that's the power of the bacon, in my opinion. Yeah. See, that's the beautiful part. Like you said, Kevin Bacon is great at the swaggery comic part, right? Right. He's really good at that role. The guy that you would see and be like, oh, I want to be friends with that guy. And that works really well in a role where what if that's all – just the surface stuff and below he wants to murder and rape (laughs) right you know it makes it extra scary and believable because at the start of the movie you're like look at this cool motherfucker kevin bacon and pretty quick you start being like not as cool as i had hoped right he's not the the ping pong ball tetris scientist i had hoped for in this movie he's right he's actually a horrible hollow criminal man he's driving porsches and listening to you know uh, stained or whatever he was listening to and you know (laughs) He's just li- he's just listening to Corn uh, and the entire uh, family ad- uh, family values whatever that fucking tour was him and Limp Biscuit see see there with bronchitis whatever the fuck <laughs> that's Kevin as soon as you heard that you're like this is a really bad guy yeah. as soon this as guy's not okay as soon as you hear his musical choice and him l- singing along to it in the car in his Porsche you're like this might not go well this uh... yeah. Well, if you made this movie today, that car would just be littered with rock star cans and he would be jeweling like crazy. <laughs> but in the 90s, we had to show that with new metal. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It, in the 90s, it was about music. So, like, you could use, like, we didn't, yeah, we didn't have vapes yet. And you can just. I'll have to go back and look. I guarantee there was a code red somewhere on one of his <laughs> desks for sure. All right, that's it, guys, for Hollow Man. Uh, we are so excited to be starting the year off shaking our bacon. I hope you guys uh, are happy, too. If you listen to this and you can get a hold of us on any of our social medias, we're pretty active on Twitter, at FilmAlchemist1. Email FilmAlchemistPod at gmail.com, all that stuff. Wherever we are, if you guys get a hold of us and can make a case why we missed a great prime Kevin Bacon movie, perhaps I can find a way to fit some more in because I just adore this guy. He's He's one of those actors that you're just... Why is this guy in so many movies I love? Right. And that's what we're here to explore, the amazing depths of his talent. There's a reason there's so, six degrees of Kevin Bacon. That's right. And so I'm super excited for this month. <laughs> Again, stay tuned. Next week, we're doing Trimmers, Woo! which I think is just one of the most underappreciated gems of all time, even though we all love it. If you, uh, and so if that's you don't it, know, guys. all six are currently on Netflix. Yes. So you can watch it before Dude, you listen to the show. Even a cold day in hell. Trimmers, a cold day in hell. Underrated classic jewel it's actually something me and my five-year-old son like to watch a lot as trimmers it's weird that makes sense but anywho that's it for shake and bacon we'll be back next week with trimmers leave us a rating and review find us on youtube at the nerd alchemist that's plural with an s at the end thank you so much for joining us uh i'm josh griffey i'm alex Dandy.